0: The Lord Jesus often used many contrasts in order that we might feel the full impact of the lessons he was teaching. In today's message, speaker Matthew Cain takes a look at the story of the Pharisee and the publican in which such a contrast could not be greater. These were two individuals who attempted to approach God in diametrically opposing ways. The Pharisee, well, he considered himself better than most, uh, certainly not a bad person a sinner, he came to God with a self-righteous attitude. He thought he was doing God a favor by doing his religious duties. How about the publican, or tax collector, as he was otherwise known? Well, he was just the opposite. He realized his sinful past and his inability to do anything that God would accept. He simply threw himself upon the mercy of God for the salvation of his soul. And that's what our message is all about today. God's marvelous mercy to sinners who don't deserve it. If you find the label sinner in any way offensive, then you might be inclined to switch stations at this point, but we certainly hope that you will hear us out. Listen to the story and what the Lord is offering you. Take a few minutes to hear about the mercy of God. You'll be glad you did.
1: Luke chapter 18, verse number. 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a religious Pharisee, the other a publican tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterous, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, the tax collector, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me a sinner i tell you this man the second man the publican went down to his house justified right with god rather than the other for everyone that exalts himself everyone that lifts himself up shall be humbled and he that humbles himself shall be exalted god be merciful to me a sinner me a sinner Have those words ever come from your lips or been a sincere expression of your heart? Me, a sinner. He seems to be occupied not just with what he has done, but who he is, a sinner. Two men went to a temple to a prayer meeting. And as the facts of the story become clear, when the first man begins to pray, just as the second man will later pray, the both of those men are actually dead in their sins. on the road to hell. And the first man takes center stage. Oh, God, I am so glad that I am not as bad and sinful as other people. You know about all the good things I do. You know about all the sins that other people do. I'm so glad that I'm not a sinner like others. And the other man doesn't take center stage. He's afar off. He's aware of his sin, of his guilt. And he cries out to God, be merciful. To me, a sinner. Me, a sinner. Not the prodigal, the sinner. Not, not she, the sinner. Me, a sinner. And the prayer meeting ends. And the two men leave. And one man leaves, still on his way to hell. And the other man goes back to his house, justified. Righteous. Having received mercy. And on the way to heaven. Isn't that great? How quickly things can change. And you could go to your house justified, rejoicing. You could join in that hymn, sing with your friends, and sing with meaning and with passion. You could have it all personal tonight. You could come into the good of it tonight. This could be your experience. That's why we're having this meeting, so that you would take it personal. God, be merciful to me as sinner. Me as sinner. The man uses, the scriptures give us a very particular word for mercy in this text. And it shows that the man had an understanding that if God was going to show him mercy, it was going to require a sacrifice. God, I need mercy. And the only way you're going to be able to show mercy to a sinner like me is if there is a sacrifice for my sin. There is a sacrifice for your sin. God can show you mercy. God can show sinners mercy tonight because there is a sacrifice for your sin. There is a way that the wrath of God that presently hangs over you, it can be averted. And the fear of that wrath can be removed forever. And you'll never have to worry about a day or a night or an eternity in hell. The wrath of God can be canceled from your account. You can enter into mercy because blood has been shed on the cross. The work is finished. God is satisfied. Now God can justly show you mercy. He has found a way. It's the cross of the Lord Jesus. That's where you find mercy. It's up to you tonight. Do you want to leave like the Pharisee, trying to make yourself feel better with a little bit of self-righteousness, trying to expel the thoughts of eternity like you've done so many other times, or would you rather leave like the tax collector? With those moments of agony and honesty, facing that reality, me, a sinner, heading to the place that sinners deserve to go. But God shows mercy. Christ received sinful man. And the Lord Jesus has died for sinners. For me. A the Pharisee did not possess the same honesty. Honesty is very important in dealing with God, by the way. It's important that you're honest about who you are and what we have done in the sight of God, who knows it all anyway and wants us to be honest. But this proud Pharisee has not yet been honest. And he doesn't seem to really fully understand or accept that the weakness of the sinner is inherent. It is something that marks all of us. It is characteristic of every single one of us. When Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, Jeremiah is not speaking about the heart of a particularly evil man. Jeremiah is just speaking about the heart of men and women and boys and girls me. Our hearts are deceitful. And Isaiah says, we are all as an unclean thing. That there is none, Romans 3, there is none that doeth good, not even one. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the Pharisee didn't get it. And so he prays, I am not as other men. Oh, yes, you are. But he says, I am not. Now, the thinking's actually fairly common, isn't it? I am not like those other people at school. I hear the way that they speak. I know the jokes that they tell. I know what they do on Saturday nights. I am not like those people. They do not know the verses that I know. They have not been to the meetings that I have been. They do not have the knowledge that I have. I am not as other people. Yes, you are. Yes, we are. Because we all are born with that sinful nature that leaves us corrupt in God's eyes. We have all missed his mark. We have all fallen short. There is no difference. But he didn't get it. And he didn't get that the Actions of the sinner are of no value in pleasing and satisfying God. So that's why he tells God about all the things that he has done and of all of his religious activity and of all of the ways he has contributed and how he gives to help others and how he abstains from other sinful activities. And he thinks that there is some, some worth in getting and working and earning and achieving his way to heaven. He doesn't seem to have learned this basic principle that you know of Ephesians 2, that by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a free gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't see that it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but by his mercy that he saves us. So instead of crying out for mercy, he's saying, God, look at me. Look at what I've done. You know all the things that I have done and the support that I have shown. Look at me, God. And God is saying, yeah, I see you. That's the problem. I see you. And God thinks you're beautiful. You are God's creation. You all look very lovely to me. And you look lovely to God. But God also looks deeper. And as God looks deeper, that's when God sees rebellion and pride and hatred, and lust, and deceitfulness that fill our hearts. That's what God sees. The Pharisee is saying, look at me, God sees him. And that's why that man is still in his sins. Because he has never honestly acknowledged before God, me, a sinner. But the tax collector does. So let's think of this beautiful prayer of a repentant tax collector. Me, a sinner. Now, he understood some things. He stands a great way off. He he seems to have this sense that I, I don't even deserve to be close. He grasps his distance. We are at a distance from God, naturally. When Adam sinned, he was driven out of the garden. Christ comes and preaches peace to those of you that are far off, Ephesians 2 says. Even this prodigal son, the prodigal son, he does not say, I've got to get back. And once my father sees how hard I work, then maybe he'll accept me. Once he sees me working around the house, some, and maybe I can outdo my sibling, and then maybe he'll welcome me back. No, it says when he was a great way off. Well, he's still a great way off. He has that repentant attitude, but he's still at a great distance. Then the father rushes to him, puts his arms around him. To a man who is a great way off, he's at a distance. That's the publican. He recognizes his own unworthiness. He's like the leper who would have to go around saying, I'm clean, I'm clean. I, I can't come close to you. I want to warn you, that while you're at a distance tonight, you are well within the reach of God's mercy. But there comes a time that you read of back in Luke chapter 16, when someone has gone to such a distance that they are beyond that reach. That's an infinite distance. That's when it's too late to cry, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's when there's no more times to say, maybe this next gospel series, I'll be saved. That's a distance that can never be bridged. Tonight, there's mercy. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Me, a sinner. And he understands the corruption that marks men and women, that from the very outset, we are born condemned sinners, darkened in our understanding, helplessly lost, guilty because of all of the things that we have done. And so he beats upon his own chest, As if to say, the problem is inside me. No point in blaming it on others. The problem is inside me. It's my sin that has caused my separation from God. It is my sin that led the Lord Jesus to that cross. It is my sin that he bore upon that cross. It is my sin that required him to shed his blood that I might be set free from my sins. Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Me, a sinner. The problem is in me. The problem is within you. Me, a sinner. Me, a sinner. And so the man realizes that he has no other hope except just to cast himself upon the mercy of God trusting in God. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he cries out to God for mercy because he has nothing else to do. I love, I love, I love this story because it correlates so clearly to my own experience of the first night of my life that I honestly acknowledged to God that I was the guilty sinner. And as the weight of that struck me so suddenly on a Monday evening, for reasons right now I, I can't even tell you what brought that thought to me, as I sat at the table, panic-stricken that I was in my sins, so I went up to my bedroom, and the weight of it was starting to bother me, and it was like I was trying to brush it off and say, sure, everybody's a sinner. Matthew, you're the sinner. Okay, well, I, I'm the sinner, but, but there's other people that are sin But all that mattered that night was me, the sinner. Me, the sinner. And that night God showed mercy to me, the sinner. Because there was a sacrifice that met the need of me, the sinner. One night about uh, 10, 11 years ago, Brother had come to to join us for a series of gospel meetings. And there was a young man who began to come to those meetings. Probably at the beginning of those few meetings, he would have said that he was a Christian. But as he listened to the preaching of the gospel regularly, he recognized he wasn't a Christian. And then he began to be a bit more bothered by his sin until it was an immense weight upon his soul. And a Friday night after the gospel meeting, there was a hymn sing in Christian's home. And we were singing that hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. You know that one. It wasn't just well-known for everybody. But we were singing it, loving it, except as we went through those lyrics, those verses of that hymn, that young man was just getting more and more bothered as he thought about what that song was saying. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I see the man upon the cross, my sin, upon his shoulders. And with every line, it was just weighing upon him more and more and more. And he just wanted the song done, to get the thoughts out of his head. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. And then you sing those four lines again. And we're going over it again. And this young man just wants it done. He wants it out of his head. He feels like leaving the room, but he says, the song is almost over. I I just want to wait till it's done and get rid of it. And the song comes to an end. And he takes a deep breath. (sighs) And Shad had never heard it before. And he thought it was very nice. He said, let's sing that one again. (laughs) And so we did. But the young man couldn't handle it. So he stormed out of the house. We thought he maybe just needed a little bit of air for a moment. We gave him a minute. And he didn't come back. We went out to look for him. You could hear a faint cry for a moment. I think in some cornfield out behind that house. As he cried out to God to be saved. Do you think he found mercy that night? He did. You don't have to go to a cornfield. Right in your chair. You could find mercy. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Let me return for a moment to that word mercy. And maybe, maybe you are all familiar with that Old Testament scene of a, of a tabernacle or a temple. And inside that tabernacle divided into its couple of compartments and inside that innermost sanctuary, the holiest of all, there was the, the ark, the box, that Ark of the Covenant, and on top of it was the, what was it called? The mercy seat. And God said the only way that he was going to be able to dwell among a sinful people was if there was a sacrifice. And the blood of that sacrifice was taken in and sprinkled upon that mercy seat. And because the blood was on the mercy seat, God would show them mercy. And he could dwell with sinners because there was a sacrifice, blood on the mercy seat. But the blood of bulls and goats doesn't really take away their sin or ours. And that would never be enough for you and I to be in heaven, to dwell in the presence of a righteous and holy God forever. We needed something far better. And God has provided something far, far better. It is unveiled for us in the most profound paragraph in the history of the world, Romans chapter three, verse number 21, that tells us that we are not going to find righteousness from the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. There is no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but there is redemption in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth. God has brought him forth. He's presented this man to be a propitiation, a mercy seat, a sacrifice for our sin by his blood to be received by faith, that God might be righteous in saving sinners, that he can be just and the justifier of him who believes in Jesus because he is the mercy seat. He is the propitiation. He has satisfied God's wrath. He's taken it all in his own body, in his own soul, an offering for our sin, for my sin. And now when we cry, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, we can do so with confidence that God will show you mercy if you honestly cry to him with a knowledge that Christ has died for our sins, that he shed his blood to be a ransom for our souls that you can leave this hall tonight, justified, down to your house, justified, on the way to heaven, receiving mercy, forgiven, saved. Never another worry about what lies on the other side. Never another fear about hell and its flames and the wrath and the judgment of God that we deserve. We deserve it because we're sinners. God, in his mercy, has given us sacrifice for our sins. So why do you go on as a sinner when you can find mercy and rejoice in the mercy of God in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ? He bore our sins in his own body on a tree. I am not worthy to be called one of your sons. You could just make me as a servant, no stop. And he kisses him and he clothes him And he puts a ring upon him and he wraps his arms around him and he shows him mercy and he welcomes him. Why? Because he was honest about who he was. Me, a sinner. Me, a sinner. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am chief, God shows mercy to sinners at the cross.
0: Well, God requires one thing of the sinner, honesty. Have you ever been honest with yourself and with God? Enough to admit that you have sins that need to be forgiven? That you have a heart that is prone to sin and rebellion against God? That you desperately need God's salvation? we hope so. The Bible says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. They are the only ones who qualify. We hope you'll not be like the Pharisee, rather that you will be honest and ask God to be merciful to you, the sinner. And you know what? He will. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you would like some literature that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Believers in Christ, who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message, and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. Our Anchor Point messages are also available for listening and download at anchorpointradio.com. My name is Glenn Todd.